Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Miss Susan Weed. Remember that herbal medicine is people's medicine. We'll be right back. After this. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Blessed are we in the awakening All right, and we are back. We're having a little problem with the songs, so I decided I'm just going to go ahead and bring Susan on. I see she's in the queue. Spinning. Uh, welcome, Susan, and green blessings. Thank you. Green blessings to you, too. What a delight to be with you, and thanks Again, for giving me the week off last week. That was really sweet. I so appreciate it. Oh, yes. I, we all have lives. And it was for half pay. No, it's <laughs> Yeah, as soon as you said you just had somebody else on, I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> that, that sounds likely. So where were we? Anyhow, it seems like it's been for... Ever, but we were talking about herbal antibiotics, weren't we? Yes, we were. Yes, we were. We were kind of doing kind of a book club on Stephen Herod Booner's book, Herbal Antibiotics, or at least that's kind of how I think about it, because I'm really hoping that people who are listening have gotten a copy by now of Herbal Antibiotics, Natural Alternatives for Treating Drug-Resistant Bacteria, Second edition, completely revised, expanded, and updated by Stephen Herod Booner. On the back of this book, it says, this book will save your life. Literally, superbugs have moved out of the hospitals and into our streets. Do you know how to help yourself and those you love if you contract such an infection? Now you do. Quote by Susan S. Weed, author of Healing Why. So I just want you to know that I am very much in favor of this book. This is why we're spending a lot of time with this book and really going into some depth about what Stephen is saying here. Just as a reminder for all of us and people who are just joining us can go back into the archives and um, check out some of the earlier shows. We really did start at the beginning of the book talking about antibiotics in general. In 1942, the world's entire supply of penicillin, which was the only antibiotic available, was 64 pounds. By 2009, 
60 million pounds per year of antibiotics were being used in the United States, just in the United States. And the take-home point here, antibiotics are with us forever. They are excreted in their millions of pounds from the millions of patients who take them each year. They expired antibiotics are thrown into the garbage. They are excreted by animals. Every antibiotic ever made is in the environment. They pass unchanged into the world's water supplies, and we are all drinking antibiotics no matter what water you are drinking, whether it's distilled, whether you've bought it in a bottle, whether it's coming out of your tap. All of the world on the planet now contains antibiotics that we have put there. The worldwide environmental dumping over the past 65 years of such huge quantities of synthetic antibiotics has initiated one of the most pervasive impacts on the Earth's bacterial underpinnings since oxygen-generating bacteria supplanted methanogens 2.5 million years, billion years ago. It has stimulated evolutionary changes that are unparalleled in recorded biologic history. For me, the take-home is that it doesn't really matter at this point whether I take antibiotics or not. I am taking antibiotics. And in fact, my body has become used to them. That's what antibiotic-resistant infections are. It's our bodies getting used to the antibiotic and the infectious organisms being able to mutate change and evolve into organisms that cannot be killed by these antibiotics at all anymore. Stephen divides his herbal antibiotics into systemic antibiotics, localized non-systemic antibiotics, and synergists. He also reminds us that the first line of defense is to strengthen the immune system. Mm-hmm. Systemic herbs that he talks about in depth and in detail are cryptolepsis, cedar, alcornia, bidens, and artemisia. Now, if my memory serves, we've talked, you and I, about Artemisia on this show and Cedar. Yes. I yeah? know we did Artemisia. I know we did Artemisia, and we talked about Artemisia annua and um, it, the Artemisian and cedar was a plant also known as um, broomweed that grows in Costa Rica. Related to hibiscus. Did we talk about that? I think I remember you mentioning broomweed, yeah. Yeah, I actually think we did a whole show yeah. about broomweed, especially when I was down in Costa Rica, because it's been one of those things that kind of slowly dawned on me. I first met this plant, oh goodness, maybe 30 years ago. Uh, and somebody called it strongback when I was in Jamaica. 
and they were telling me about the uses for strongback, but never once mentioning that it was an antibacterial, more muscular, neurological plant. And um, I had always kind of noticed it here and there growing as a weed, as I am wont to noticing plants as I walk about on the world. And then since I've been going to Costa Rica regularly, I have been noticing it regularly and noticing that there's a lot of different species of it in Costa Rica. It is a tropical area plant. And imagine absolute astonishment to start working with Stephen's book and to find that he considers Sita one of the very, very best of the herbal antibacterials that broomweed, which is widely distributed around the world, and he mentions even some that will grow pretty far north, are in his esteem some of the very best plants that we have for countering infections and very, very safe since it's in the mallow family. I was also quite astonished, as, as I said, it grows in Costa Rica, to find Stephen saying that one of the very specific things that CETA does is to neutralize the venom from the pit viper. And the pit viper is common in Costa Rica. People are often worried about me since I walk barefoot, and they say, we, we, you have to watch out because pit vipers uh, bite your feet. And you'll see that the, the Costa Ricans who are out and about are usually wearing rubber boots because of the snakes there. And pit viper is considered to be very poisonous because it destroys red blood cells. And CEDA represents a unique category of herbal medicine because it is hematotonic, hematoregenerative, and hematoprotectant. So whether we've taken it before, during, or after the snake bite, it will prevent damage, stop damage, and heal damage that has been caused by pit viper snake bites. And, of course, he believes that there's really good reason to think about using CETA for cancers of the red blood cells. It's one of the only herbs he knows of that has these specific actions and specific affinity for the red blood cells. So we've covered two of those herbs. And then the localized non-systemics. In other words, the systemic herbs are you have an antibiotic-resistant infection anywhere. You can use these systemic herbs. The localized non-systemics are not systemic herbs. We use them in local ways for specific things. And those are the berberines, honey, usnea, and juniper. And I'm pretty sure we've talked about honey, yes? Oh, yes, uh, a few times, I think. <clears throat> a few times, exactly. And in this series, we've talked about honey. And its localized use is for healing the skin and the scalp. Mm. Wounds, superating wounds, hard-to-heal wounds, wounds that are infected. Honey is the supreme ally even for flesh-eating bacteria, the antibiotic-resistant, scary bacteria that causes amputation of lungs, of limbs, honey stops it. So it 
the fact that something is non-systemic and just local does not mean that it's ineffective or that we don't want to have it as something that we can rely on. Because sometimes when we have that kind of infection in the skin or the muscle tissue, it's hard to get a systemic in there. Using something that that is right on it and more localized is a better thing to do. I don't think, however, that we've talked about juniper or the berberines or usnea. No, not to any extent. We might have extent. brushed across yeah. juniper. They make gin and out then, of juniper. Then he has the synergists, and his synergists are licorice, ginger, and black pepper. And I know that we haven't talked about any of the synergists at all. And that's partly because I don't use them. I use simples. So I generally don't combine my herbs, and I like having the direct effect that that one-on-one relationship gives us. So that's what I prefer in terms of not using synergists. And the last category that he has are the... First line of defense, the strengthening of the immune system. Ashwagandha, astragalus, bone set, echinacea, eleuthero, red root, reishi, and rhodiola. And many of these herbs are herbs that you and I have talked about over the years that we've been doing this show together. Mm-hmm. But not herbs that we've specifically talked about in this series about herbal antibiotics, except possibly echinacea. Do you remember whether or not we've talked about echinacea in this series? I know we talked about it years ago when we did the colds and flus series. I, 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 I think you brushed on it. I wasn't sure if it was featured or not. I'd have to, I'd have to look back. <laughs> We'd have to look back and find out exactly. And astragalus um, is a very important herb that I don't think we've gone into much depth on. No, and I've, I've heard it's a good immune booster. <clears throat> and that's his category. He puts it in first line of defense, strengthening the immune system. <laughs> Sorry. What I'd like to do is to m- move into talking about astragalus this evening. And that will probably move over into at least one more show because there's a lot to say about astragalus. And I would like to ask you to go back and find out if we have talked about echinacea in this series about herbal antibiotics. Oh, I can do that. Yeah, because it, you know it's a really good one. And you know now as I look through the book here, um, I'm wondering, we may have actually talked about ginger because I can see some notes that I made to myself here in the ginger pages. So astragalus, some people call it astragalus, is the root of a plant in the pea and bean family. So it's related to red clover, and it's related to green beans, and it's related to alfalfa, and it's related to peanuts, and it's related to soybeans, and it's related to lentils. 
It's in that big, big family of plants, the pulses. They're now called the Fabiaceae, and that's after fava beans, which is considered typical of the whole bean family. And the V there gets changed to a B, as we did when we were young, when we asked for vanilla ice cream. So it's the Fabiaceae family. And, of course, it used to be the leguminosae, um, which herbalists like a lot better. The legume family, uh, it's often known as astragalus, is like a big herb in the Chinese approach to herbal medicine. And there's been a strong uh, movement of the wisdom of Chinese herbal medicine into the United States over the past 30 or 40 years. But there's not a lot of Chinese herbs that have really caught on with American herbalists, and there's quite a few reasons for that. And that is because we have a lot of questions about how those Chinese herbs are harvested and how they're grown and, you know, real sense that it may not be to the standards that we especially like. Uh Uh-huh, hang on. You're leaning back against this, broke it, and that's what's happened here, so we're going to have to fix it later. But astragalus is a Chinese herb that we have really taken to heart here in the United States. The astragalus genus contains over 3,000 species. The genus is a member of the family. So this is an absolutely huge family. Astragalus membranaceus is the one that is usually used. Um, But there is, as always, some questions about the specificity of it. Whether or not membranaceous is the only one and whether it is the right name for it. But we are going to go on from that. Most of the time, as we can see with peas and beans, both shell beans and green beans, the parts of these plants that are used are above ground. We use red clover blossoms. We use the seeds and the seed pods and occasionally even the leaves of plants in this family. But rarely do we use the roots of plants in this family. And this is where astragalus is quite unique. For it is the root of the astragalus that we use. Astragalus is now being grown in the United States, and my advice is always to get organic astragalus grown in the United States because then you really know how it has been treated throughout its growing, harvesting, and drying uses. Certainly the last thing we ever want to do is buy an already encapsulated herb, or maybe the really last thing we want to do is ever buy a capsule of a combination of herbs, or maybe the really, really last thing we want to do is ever buy a capsule of a combination of herbs. 
as a Chinese formula because, unfortunately, the vast majority of them have been found to contain drugs, cortisones, hormones, antibiotics, even occasionally amphetamines. So when you're using astragalus, get the sliced root of astragalus or powdered root of astragalus. I rarely use powdered herbs because especially if they're aromatic, they just lose their good really, really fast. But with astragalus, it's very non-volatile. So it's extremely useful as a powdered root. And that's because I find I can mix it in with food very, very easily when it's powdered. It's very bland tasting. I often call it the slippery elm of Chinese medicine. And, of course, it's going to vary from batch to batch and root to root. There sometimes is a slight bitter taste to it, but in general, it's kind of a neutral, maybe even mildly sweet taste that can easily be added to any kind of baked goods, from muffins to breads of all kinds, pancakes, oatmeal, even a little bit in with your scrambled eggs or omelet works just fine. I stir it into hummus and mix it in with my cooked beans so that I find a lot of ways to get astragalus into my food. This is the time of the year when I'm really thinking a lot about astragalus and about getting a lot of astragalus into myself because it's the time of the year when I have to start watching out for ticks again. It's the time when ticks are going to be more present. Fortunately, it's only the adult ticks now, but they can still carry Lyme disease. And Stephen Booner, in his book, Healing Lyme, suggests that keeping your body well-supplied with astragalus will actually help prevent Lyme disease from occurring should you get bitten by a tick that is carrying it. We certainly know that it's not 100% pass-along and that the pass-along rate varies from place to place. So in my area, only about 10% of the ticks that have Lyme disease pass it along. Although in areas near to me, 80% of the ticks that have Lyme disease pass it along. But in nowhere is it a 100% pass-along rate. It's interesting because uh, one of the people that I study with uh, said to me today, what's this? And handed me a bottle of some herbal tincture. And it didn't have a label on it. And it had plastic dropper in it. And I only buy bottles with glass droppers. So I'm wondering where he even got this. And I tasted it and realized it was a stragglist tincture. And I thought, how wonderful. Because this teacher had mentioned to me earlier that he was getting bitten by ticks and he wanted to know what to do and I suggested astragalus and here he was with the bottle unlabeled bottle of astragalus tincture goodness only knows where he got it from in hand so good psychic work on his part Stephen says any form of astragalus is going to help the immune system and in his book herbal antibiotics he says that astragalus is an adaptogen a direct antibacterial an antiviral that enhances the function of the lungs, the spleen, and the gastrointestinal tract. It is cardioprotective, that is protective of the heart, and hypotensive. In other words, it helps us maintain a good blood pressure. It's an immune enhancer, an immune modulator, an immune restorative, and immune tonic. 
It increases interferon gamma and interleukin-2 levels. It enhances CD4 plus counts and balances the CD4-CD8 ratio. Astragalus is specific for immune atrophy and enhances immune function in both the spleen and the thymus. Occasionally, when there are apprentices here at the Wise Woman Center, there's some need for us to go to the city for one reason or another. And if that happens and the group is small enough, we take them down to the city with us. And we go to Chinatown, where we can walk into the herb stores in Chinatown. And it's so wonderful to see all the different uh, astragalus that's for sale. Small sliced roots, large sliced roots. One of the things that we find as the herbs come in from China is the Chinese put a very high premium on things that are very much the same and large in size. So the same astragalus grown in the same field you can buy for a third of the price if you're willing to buy the smaller, blemished, not-so-pretty pieces of it. And we talk about what's really important in an herb and in a root, and is beauty in the eye of the beholder, or is it something that is necessary for the medicine? Each one of us is going to have a different answer to that question. But this is the time of the year to start thinking about helping your immune system, helping yourself to resist Lyme disease, because Lyme is everywhere. Stephen says astragalus has been used since antiquity as an additive to meal preparation. Try the sliced root in soup, but remove it before eating. Or make a strong infusion of astragalus root and then use it to cook rice or as a stock for your soup. I do love to throw pieces of astragalus root into soups when I make it, and I generally don't take the pieces of astragalus root out since, after all, I'm teaching about herbal medicine. It's better to just leave it in the soup and say to the people, don't eat that. Leave it in the soup pot. That's the astragalus root. It's too tough to eat. I don't care how long you cook it. I might throw seaweed and shiitake mushrooms and astragalus into a soup, and that seaweed is just going to melt into the soup, and the astragalus is going to get soft, although it'll stay chewy, but the astragalus, the shiitake will get soft but chewy, but the astragalus is never going to be edible. It's going to be a woody, tough root all the time, but the good of it has been cooked out. On a few occasions, when I have been bitten by a tick in which I thought, hmm, I think something has passed from this tick to me, I immediately put one ounce of astragalus root in a quart jar, filled it to the top with boiling water, put a tight lid on it, and let it sit overnight. The next morning, I strained that and put it in the refrigerator and did my best to drink that quart that very day and make another that night. On the second day, I made sure to drink at least two cups of the astragalus infusion and on the third day as well, and then I made another quart. And on the fourth and fifth day again, I drank at least two cups. And by that time, I'm definitely starting to notice the effect of the astragalus, and so I bring it down to about a cup a day. And I maintain it at that level, drinking a cup of astragalus infusion on a daily basis until I feel like I'm in the clear. 
if you were to come to me and you were to say, I think I might have been bitten by a tick with Lyme disease and something is happening, I'll tell you the truth. I would tell you to go take antibiotics. But it's not what I do. Why would I do that differently? Well, Lyme disease can be very nasty. Lyme disease can paralyze you. Lyme disease can cripple you. Lyme disease can really mess with your head. And antibiotics, well, if we, as we have established, they're not all that bad. I've worked with herbs for a long time, over 50 years now. I do a lot of work listening to myself and listening to my own body. And I can really track what's going on in my body and know what herb to use, know how much of it to use, and be able to use it at exactly the time that I need it. I can't do that for you. I could do it for myself, but I can't do it for you. So for most of us, astragalus is going to be the thing that we're going to use prophylactically. We're going to use it ahead of time. And if we get bitten by a tick and we get a bullseye rash, or we really think we have Lyme disease, we're going to take a short course of antibiotics and just make sure that we don't have that. Stragulus has some interactions with drugs, needless to say, although no toxicity has ever been shown from regular daily use of the herb, even in large amounts, and the Chinese report consistent use for millennia. I wonder if that's all in the same person. The same person using it for millennia? Probably not, Susan. In the treatment of colds and flus and suppressed immune system. It is, however, contraindicated in late-stage Lyme disease. So best as a preventative, and that's what I'm doing even when I'm drinking the infusion. If you are taking interferon or acyclovir, taking astragalus will increase the effects of those drugs. When used in clinical trials with interferon and the treatment of hepatitis B, the outcomes were better than with interferon alone. <clears throat> we have also seen that astragalus has synergistic effects when used with interferon in the treatment of cervical erosions and in other situations where we wish to increase the antiviral activity of a drug. When tested with cyclophosphamide, astragalus was found to decrease the effectiveness of that, and thus it is not suggested that anyone who has an organ transplant use astragalus. Astragalus works very, very well indeed with both echinacea and licorice, especially for generalized immune system dysfunction. As we thought, astragalus is going to need another show to really get into all of its wonderful things, although we've gotten a good start on it, because I see we've come to the end of the show. We have again. <laughs> it went so quickly. <laughs> Yes, indeed. So I look forward to being back here with you next week and continuing on looking at the herbal antibiotics and seeing what we can do to protect ourselves and our loved ones. Green right. blessings, and thanks for giving me this wonderful opportunity. I so appreciate it. All right, and thank you so much for joining us. It's been quite a few years now. <laughs> so, it has. What's it been, three or four years now we've been doing it? 
something like that. It's going on four more, I think. So. Yeah, going on, on more than four. Okay, maybe we're entering our fifth year here. Could be. Could be very much. But well, to be continued with great yeah. delight. Yeah. Still going strong and still coming up with new things because you know what? You can study a plant for forever. <laughs> I, and that's what I love about herbal medicine. We never get to the end of it. It's a journey. It's a journey, absolutely. Green blessings. Talk to you next week. All right. Thank you very much, and talk to you next week. Everybody, you've been listening to Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Miss Susan Weed. Thank you, and have a great evening. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.